Hey, Bucks fans, make sure you go follow one of our sponsors, Split Ticks. Follow them on Twitter at S-P-L-I-T-T-I-K-S. So what is Split Ticks? Well, you're able to reserve sports, concert, and other event tickets with a small deposit and pay off the rest in a flexible payment plan before your event date. So make sure you take advantage of that. And because you're a listener of the All Things Bucks podcast, you're able to use promo code All Things Buccaneers. Use that promo code and you will get a 10% discount on your purchase. Hey, and remember, go Bucks. Welcome, everyone, to the All Things Bucks podcast. I am your co host, Corey Hayes. Go ahead and follow me on Twitter at Corey underscore Hayes 407. And unfortunately, this week, CJ will not be appearing on the podcast. But fortunately, appearing for CJ, we have a special guest. Go ahead and introduce yourself, special guest. Uh, Kellen Pools here. I am the owner of All Things Bucks, and I'm here to fill in the void for CJ. So let's get things going and discuss football. Before we get to football, how's everything been going, Kel? Pretty well. but busy on my own end part, on my own work and everything. But, you know, my whole favorite part of the week is still getting to watch football every Sunday. Oh, absolutely. I love I love the weekend because the weekend consists of football and football only. I just sit on my couch and watch football. Or I will go somewhere, like if I'm attending a Bucks game in an away game, I will go there and I will watch football on Saturday and Sunday. And I somehow still cannot get a win with these Bucks. Believe that, man. Believe that. It's been very frustrating, nonetheless. But I put out a put out a tweet on the Twitter page saying how, you know, last time we were three and five, man. We finished nine and seven. I know, like, it doesn't seem well for us right now, as we know. But hey, you never know. There's a lot of positives left that could be shown for the team throughout the season, and. A lot of bright sides, though, and a lot of young guys, too. So we never get to we get to see their chances, hopefully. So there's a lot with that. Yeah, speaking on that tweet that you sent out, uh, that was in 2016, I believe, when we went on that five-game win streak with the defense playing lights out. This defense has um, potential with, like you said, they have the young guys out there. Yeah. I just want to see them execute. What they're doing right now is they're not executing. They're leaving too many holes in the defense, which is allowing the offenses to exploit them. Yeah, no, that's been the main thing right now, you know, uh, especially with, like, the Mike Smith situation, too. When you look back at 2016, like, he got a contract extension that year, man. He led top five defense. He brought the team and had the number one turnovers in the NFL. They had they actually got a pass rush for once and showed – they showed they tightened up, and they just showed a huge turnaround. So maybe we can see that for this second half, right? Yeah, we have eight games left in the season, and hopefully we can see a turnaround with this group of guys on defense. All right, hopping right in to talk about the Panthers recap. The Panthers offense on Sunday had 407 total yards of offense, which is pretty much normal for an NFL team to have during a game with rushing and passing. Cam Newton on the day was 19 for 25 for 247 yards, two touchdowns, and he also ran 11 times for 33 yards. Christian McCaffrey had 17 rushes for 79 yards and two touchdowns and five catches for 78 yards, including a one out of the backfield that they reversed where they did a fake reverse triple option. They threw a screen to him on the left side, and he took it for about 30, 40 yards. Greg Olson had six catches for 76 yards and one touchdown. Devin Funches had four catches for 44 yards, 
and Curtis Samuel had two catches for 25 yards, one touchdown, and one running touchdown with 33 yards and one rush. And on that rushing touchdown that Curtis Samuel had, it looked like he ran damn near 75 yards across the field just to get 33 yards for a touchdown. So this Panthers offense, they came to play. They came to play fast. They scored touchdowns on four of their first five possessions in the first half. It was something crazy to watch. I got to see him a few times score right in front of me in the end zone. I was like, this is going to be a long day, especially if this is how we're going to play. Um, Cam Newton, I talked about it on the preview podcast with CJ. Cam Newton was one of my keys to the game, contain Cam. Well, we didn't do a great job of containing Cam because Cam kept getting out of the pocket and making plays with his feet because you were scared that he was going to run it, and then he'd, he'd end up passing it off to somebody, including – that Greg Olson touchdown in the end zone from 19 yards out, um, where it was third and goal from the 19 because the Panthers shot themselves in the foot and moved them all the way back. Greg Olson was another player that I wanted to watch because I said, even though he's been out with the injury some of this year, he's still a key player on that offense. And what they do, they went to Greg Olson a lot. They also went to Christian McCaffrey. Christian McCaffrey's their their running back who's a dual threat running back who can run out of backfield, who can also catch out of the backfield. Christian McCaffrey, absolutely. The stats don't look like he dominated us from a yardage standpoint, but he did have those two touchdowns on the day, and that's something that lit the Panthers crowd on fire when when he scored. Right, um, every time I kind of say this to my friends back over over here, it's always start a player against the Bucks defense. Because they're on like fantasy football, right? Because you can see right here the numbers are pretty good, you know, and it just shows our defense is pretty basic as it is, right? Uh, main thing that I preach about right now that Mike Smith defense was about is called bracket coverage, right? It's basically putting your uh, defensive back in the line coverage, just kind of like a bracket zone, right? If you're putting like lines across the field, usually typically that's when they have they go ten yards back, right? Because they expect the Corner, they don't want anything deep and expect the cornerbacks to come up and get make the tackle at five yards, right? Keeping it consistent and consecutive, right? That's the problem with us that we don't have good tackling right now, especially with our cornerbacks or or our secondary. Like we can't break down, we can't do anything with that, and it's it's been embarrassing watching these huge big plays against us because it just shows the lack of consistency and the lack of effort and discipline on their defense. Yeah, there's definitely a lot of things that need to be fixed with this defense. Of course, our defense is not fully healthy, so there's a bunch of second stringers out there running and playing for us. But still, you're an NFL player. You, you need to, play, to step up. You you get paid to play, exactly. You step up to the plate when you need to. Like in the linebacker position, we lost Quan for a year, so we have a Darius Taylor stepping into the mic position. Um, soon enough, we're getting Kendall Beckwith back. Hopefully, he's practicing with the team. The team has 21 days from when he practices to activate him to the active roster or just put him on IR for the season. So, hopefully, he's getting activated because that would be a, a huge help to this defense because he's pretty much the same type of player that Quan Alexander is. He's all over the field. He's flying to the ball every time that he sees the ball. So, he, he will be a huge addition to our defense. Our defensive line is the healthiest it's been this whole season. We didn't see it much on Sunday. We didn't see a lot of plays out of our defensive line, but they are the healthiest they have been. And since we're talking about our defense right now, let's go ahead and hop right into them. 
Our defense gave up 407 yards to the Panthers. Adarius Taylor was our leading tackler with nine tackles. Levante David was right behind him with eight tackles and half a sack. Gerald McCoy also got in on that sack action. He had two tackles and half a sack on that same play. Jordan Whitehead is tied with Levante David for this game with eight tackles. Justin Evans had seven tackles. Carlton Davis had five tackles. And Mr. Financial Guy, Carl Nassif, had three tackles, including one sack. So we're getting we're getting a bunch of tackles out of our guys, especially in the secondary. But that goes to show you that um, plays are not being caught at the line of scrimmage, and they're going downfield to where our secondary is having to make right. tackles. Exactly like that, right? Uh, another thing, like Carl, Carl Nassif, right? Is that how you say it? Yeah, Carl Nassif. Yeah, Carl Nassif. Uh, he's been playing pretty well recently, too, and it's weird because we signed him on off – the free agent wire earlier this season, and look, he's been the most consistent pass rusher. He's even been beating out Noah Spencer. We've had high hopes. I understand. I don't know exactly where is this defense is leading. Clearly, the revamped defense is not working on certain parts. So there's going to be some updates and uh, roster switch ups with that soon. I assume, like I'm going to expect. So especially looking at like. Jordan Whitehead as well. Like he, there's been times where his pursuit is so deadly, and he tackles but sometimes he over pursuits a lot and that's where he misses a lot of tackles as well in certain moments he over he over pursuits say on certain th- third downs and stops right so that's one thing i would need i would really pick up on right there but it's not really just whitehead the whole defense together, together. take bad yeah. angles and they they miss so many tackles they talked about it in their interviews with the press a lot of them said that that's they keep missing tackles and it continues to bite him in the ass pretty much. Uh, Gerald McCoy spoke to the press after not speaking for a few weeks with them, and he said that Tony Dungy said something on TV about if you're being successful, then speak, but if you're not, then there's nothing to speak on. So that's why he hadn't been talking to the press. But he did have something interesting to say. He said that there is eight games left in the season, and this defense can turn it around. They just need to put the pieces together. And how they're going to try and do it is Gerald McCoy, for the first time this season, is taking the defensive line out together for dinner to build chemistry. Well, why haven't you done it the whole season? The offensive line does it every week. Why don't you as a defensive line get out and go and build your chemistry even more as teammates yeah. by going to have a meal and just having a good yeah, time exactly. together? I, I, I'm going to tell you right now, all position groups should do that. All sides of the ball should do that, and all players should come to, should do that, regardless if it's like a mandatory meeting. It's like you're doing this for the love of football, you know. It's like you can kind of tell who, like, obviously we're not in the locker room, we don't see what goes on behind the scenes and who hangs out with who, right? But at the end of the day, it takes someone to collectively bring someone all together, and that's a one core leader, right? And I don't know what's been like in the locker room this year. I certainly see there's a like a leadership change up this year. So I don't know. I kind of like look into it and thinking it's an internal, internal thing all throughout coaches, management, ownership, and players. It does look like that. It's been like that for a while though. Internally, our ownership looks like they have no idea what they're doing, especially when, yeah, it's a losing culture. It's been that way for many, many years since we went to the Super Bowl. Um, since Malcolm Glazer died, it looks like the kids that he left the franchise to aren't really focused on winning for the Bucks. They're more focused on Manchester United winning in England. So 
that's something that really needs to be addressed. The team needs to go out and get a president of football operations who can oversee the football part of it. And the Glazers family can just oversee the money part of helping out the president of football operations and the general manager. Correct. Correct. Like it's been very rough. Yeah, it has. It has been rough. And still speaking on the defense line, finally going out for dinner together this week. Uh, I want to send a shout out to Phil Schwegler, member of ATB. He commented on one of my tweets. He said that he said that um, when he was in Korea, he'd take the guys out for dinner on Thursday night or Saturday afternoon, and it would be on him so they could they could bond together as a squad, and it worked. So that, like I said, that's something that the defense and the defensive line, and like you said, all position groups need to be doing together to build their chemistry outside of the field because chemistry outside of the field will build chemistry on the field, and it's been proven that that's a fact. Yeah, and you see Mike Evans and Jameis Winston been doing that for a while too. They used to train in Houston all all offseason and whatnot, and they did. They actually stayed with each other. And you need those things with throughout everyone on the team. It's, it takes a collective team effort. It takes all 75 players, all 53 guys dressed to all come together collectively to win a game. And they spend every day of the week practicing. And to dedicate it on one single day, it's, it's, it's hard to do, right? And it takes a lot. You can have all the talent in the world, but it, it takes the right team to actually connect the pieces. Yeah, it does. And in regards to practicing, they just practice Wednesday through Friday. So they have three days of practice together. Monday is a let's watch film and regroup going into the next week. Tuesday is a player's off day. And then Wednesday through Friday are practice days. So the team gets together four or five days a week before the game on Sunday. So they need to. I mean, they do, but the collective bargaining agreement between the players and the players' association says. We can only practice three days a week for player safety, so that's why they're doing it. But I agree with you. If your team is down, you need to go out and practice more in order to succeed because – Go have a no-pads practice or something. I don't understand. Have a no-pads practice. Don't go full contact, but get on the field and running things. Don't be in the classroom or taking a day off and it's mid Yeah, I posted posted on Twitter on Sunday while I was at the game. I said, do we even practice – and the majority of the tweets that I got back were a big no. One of them even said, yeah, we practice ping pong. I mean, I don't see the ping pong table in the in the practice facility as a problem. It's building camaraderie inside of the practice facility. Oh, yeah. That, you- but at the same time, they could use that energy that they're using for ping pong on the field. Yeah, and being in the playbook, being getting, treating their injuries, you know, Doing the right thing, stretching, you know, all the all the little things matter, and this is where I kind of see this within this team. It's a, it's just the culture within the in, within the whole organization. You know, you don't see half of this shit in uh, New England. Hell no, you won't. Not at all. New because England, New there, England has a, a certain standard. Culture. You need to be there. Yeah, you, there's a certain standard being there, and that's what the Bucks ownership as a whole needs to do. Someone needs to take charge here, completely take charge. Yeah, we we end, need to see it, but end. we don't know who's going to do that in this organization. Exactly. All right, so we talked about the defense. Now let's go ahead and talk about our offense on Sunday. The Bucks' offense had 301 yards of total offense. Ryan Fitzpatrick went out and had went 24 for 40 for 243 yards, four touchdowns, and two interceptions. 
Peyton Barber rushed 11 times for 31 yards. Adam Humphreys had eight catches for 82 yards and two touchdowns. O.J. Howard had four catches for 53 yards and two touchdowns, which was pretty much the same play that they ran twice on the goal line for him for a touchdown. Chris, Chris Godwin had two catches for 40 yards. Deshaun Jackson had two catches for 32 yards. And Mike Evans had one catch for 16 yards. Speak. Mike Evans got targeted 10 times in the game and only got one catch. He did. We'll, we'll speak on that a little bit. But um, Ryan Fitzpatrick in the first half looked completely flat. Um, his reads were looking completely off. He was looking like the type of player that Jameis was looking like last week against Cincinnati. And people bash Jameis for it. But when Ryan Fitzpatrick throws interceptions, they say, oh, it's just it's OK. It's the receiver's fault. Well, if you're going to hold one to a standard, you need to hold the other to the same exact standard. So quarterback play, um, his interception in the first quarter led to seven Panthers points. So quarterback play definitely played a part in us losing to the Panthers. Uh, it's just so weird. It's so lopsided lately. I don't understand. Like we're down this much and all of a sudden they come back and just keep doing good. You know, everyone looks at the numbers right now and – Obviously, look at Fitzpatrick. And go, oh my gosh! Like he's such a way better quarterback right now. Yeah, da, da. yeah. I won't get you wrong. Like he's been making amazing throws and making amazing reads. Jameis hasn't been making the best throws and needs that he usually would be. I don't know, but you look at Fitzpatrick right now. Like he's been, but he's been playing really well. Like he's been getting the certain touchdowns when needed need be, and that's at the end of the day that kind of matters for your team. You know, like it just getting the touchdowns, getting the W, but we're not getting the W right now. So no one really has an excuse right now just to put the blame game on everything. Absolutely. And Fitzpatrick, uh, despite having four touchdowns, it was too little too late on Sunday. We get ourselves in a bind every single week where in the first half we play absolutely horrible. And in the second half, we want to come marching back like we're the Saints or something and win the game. Well, we don't win the game. We get close. The fans' hopes get up. And then the defense, when they need to make a stop, go crashing down. Yeah, seriously. I don't understand how every week we get blown out in the first half, but all of a sudden to stop them for nothing in the second half. I don't understand how that's possible. Like, why can't we do this in the first half? Like, oh, like what are they doing for adjustments in the second half? Or is it just the offense on the opposing team is taking their foot off the pedal that much? I don't understand. You, you really can't tell if it's the offense on the other side playing conservatively or if it's our defense just making adjustments at halftime. But in the end, it seems like we're a better second-half team, and I want to see it for four quarters. I don't want to see it for just two quarters. They need to come out every single game and play four quarters so that it results in a W. Also on our team, um, normally 28 points would get you a W, but – Giving up 42 points does not give you a W. So that's the big difference right there. The Bucks are on pace right now to give up the most points ever in NFL history. And I think that's a shame. But back to the offense, Adam Humphreys, I talked about it a little bit on the preview podcast. I said that he's not really a big target for Fitz. Well, Fitz threw to him the most on Sunday, and it resulted in two touchdowns. Adam Humphreys played his ass off. Um, I loved it. I loved the play where he got the 30-plus yard touchdown where he ran across the field, broke some tackles, and dove over Luke Keekley for the touchdown, which was clearly a touchdown 
The referees on the field ruled them down at the half-yard line. Bucks threw the challenge flag, and it was overturned, and it was a touchdown. So give shout-out to Adam Humphreys for a great day on Sunday. O.J. Howard as well. I touched on it a little bit earlier that he had two touchdowns, which were pretty much the same play on the goal line where they ran him on an out at, like, the two-yard line. Fitzpatrick ran sideways, threw it to him, and he got into the end zone. So shout-out to O.J. Howard as well. Deshaun Jackson on Twitter was calling out fans on Sunday and speaking his mind. It's upset a lot of Bucks fans because he said that they really don't know what the fuck's going on inside in the locker room, which I agree. You said earlier, we don't know what's going on in the locker room. We don't know what's going on at the top of the organization. So as fans, we can only speculate what's going on, but he just, he needs to play better. Um, we brought him in here to be the deep threat that we thought it was going to be. It seemed like he had a better connection with Ryan Fitzpatrick. But on Sunday, the connection did not show. Fitzpatrick overthrew him quite a few times, and it looked like Deshaun Jackson was very frustrated. Losing team. Anyone on a losing team can be frustrated. It's, 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 I've been on a losing team before, and I understand how it's like to be in a losing culture back when I was playing. So it, when I look at him, it's, it's frustrating because he said on that tweet, like, he's open, and you can see on film he's open. And, hey, I've seen he's open, and I've watched film, and he's open. And it's just learning how to get him the ball, and we're not utiliz- utilizing him in the right way, in my opinion. But, you know, like, there's only, there's only so much you can do instead of sobbing and moping on the sideline and publicly. You just got to continue to be a football player and just do your job and realize you're getting paid for this and just continue to help your team the best way you can contribute to win. Absolutely. You need to contribute any way you can, even if that's stepping up as a leader and taking the role as a leader, helping these young guys win. Because we know that Deshaun Jackson is on his last legs in the NFL, but he still has that explosive speed. So we need to figure out how to utilize that speed, whether it's throwing him a screen, throwing him a slant, doing something on an intermediate route, or trying for the deep ball. We need to utilize the speed that we have with him because if you get him in open field, then he's going to go to the house almost every time. How is he not on punt returns anymore? Like That's one thing I do not understand. He returned a beautiful punt return against the Monday Night Football game, showed he still has the ability to do it, but then the next game we take him out. I don't understand the process on that or why he's doing that. It's like, Gang, it's all gang coaching. Him a, it's all exactly, coaching. Gang him the ball as much as possible, and you can see why. Think of it. He shows he still has it, and put yourself in his perspective. Like then you take him out, and all of a sudden they're not giving gain. He's not getting the ball as much or targeted as much. That'd be frustrating. Like I would not want to be running deep, seventy-five yards downfield, and running back, then doing a post route for another sixty yards downfield, running back, and all of a sudden it's a three and out every time. You're not getting looked once. But realizing you actually have the ability to get open and you actually were open on some plays. It, I could see how that's frustrating for him, though. Absolutely. It looks like um, he he gets frustrated a lot, especially, like you said, he's not in the return game. Pre-game, they had Brent Grimes back there returning kicks and punts instead of Deshaun Jackson. So that says something about the confidence level that they have in Deshaun Jackson right now returning kicks and punts. That's brutal. Kicks and punts. That's brutal. I, I, we don't know what we see in practice. He could have muffed a couple in practice. But when you're in game mode, it's a whole different tunnel vision. Like, I, I coach high school football for a living. I am a receiver's coach on the side. And I see guys that continuously drop passes in game – I mean, in practice. But when it comes to game mode, like, they'll they'll catch the big, long bomb touchdown. It's it's weird. 
It's just when you put yourself in certain situations and playing receiver, especially a skill position, like any other skill position, it's all mind over matter. It's a lot of mindset. You can't have anything on your mind to frustrate you, to take you off your game, right? And that's what mostly I've been seeing off this team the last few weeks is over emotions and not controlling their emotions properly and maturely, right? Like when we saw Gerald McCoy and Kwan and Alexander dancing on field when we're down. That is not controlling your emotions. Uh, you got to realize you got to be a better football player than that. Yeah, absolutely. And let's go ahead and hop into the Panthers' defense uh, since we touched on pretty much everything with the Bucks' offense. Captain Motherland led the Panthers with eight tackles. Thomas Davis. Thomas Davis was all over the field with eight tackles as well. Luke Keekley, their all-pro linebacker, had seven tackles. Mike Adams had six tackles. Dante Jackson, the rookie, had five tackles and one pick off of Ryan Fitzpatrick. Mario Addison had five tackles, including three sacks. He was a player that I said we need to watch because he's such a great defensive lineman. And it showed he dominated all game long with those three sacks. And Eric Reed, who they brought in just a few weeks ago, had three tackles and one interception, which was the interception that led to them scoring on the second drive. Um, looking at Captain Marlin, like he was, he was, he played an amazing game. It actually, people were saying that it actually could have been his best career game ever, especially shutting out Mike Evans the whole time. So looking at him with eight tackles and stepping up at the play on the run game, like those, this whole defense, like they've been playing lights out. I actually have one of them on my fantasy team, and they've been they've been forcing turnovers and sacks the last five six games. Like they've been, they've been, they've been connecting too, and that takes chemistry. They, these guys have chemistry, but nonetheless, these the core have been playing with each other for a while. They have a very stable core. You know, they got Mario Addison that's been there for a while. Like Thomas Davis and Luke Keekley, like they are a core together, right? And especially, and I feel like they've been with each other longer than Levante, David, and Kwan. Am I wrong? They have, they have been together longer than our linebacking core. Exactly, and some of these guys have had season-long injuries before, and you know if the, if you keep them more together, this whole group together, like in a certain form in a certain core, that you know it's not just like their talent form, how they connect on the field. Oh, I'm going to keep my best core, talent-wise players. No, you got you got to keep a core that obviously talent works, but obviously like how they are on and off the field in the locker room, personally, everything comes into play, right? And that's all. That's what the GMs have to come to play and come to think about on every type of situation when they want to try to build a team. Yeah, absolutely. They have an amazing front seven, and their back four in the secondary are building and building every single week. Eric Reed is getting his chemistry down every single week with this team. Um, I think that the Panthers, if they make a run, they can be serious with that defense that they have right now. Um uh, their offense is still getting their pieces together. They don't have a true number one wide receiver, but they're still getting everything together. I didn't think that the Panthers were going to look this scary this year, but watch out NFL because they're starting to build momentum. Exactly, and we have a t- tough division as well. We got the Saints and the Falcons as well. Like, we people have to realize that it's once we actually do well, like it's going to take a lot more effort than this team how they're playing right now. Oh, yeah. We're We're definitely going to have to play a lot better than we're playing right now in order to maintain with the other three teams inside of our division. We have arguably the toughest division in the NFL, so that's something where it's hard to maintain and make the playoffs if you're not being consistent and staying up with those other three teams. You look at you look at the NFC and on that all note, the NFC as a whole, right? Like 
you got the NFC West, you got the Rams, and we got the Packers. Like we have a like the whole NFC North as well. Like a lot of teams are putting in work right now, and that just shows that we have to raise our expectations and the bar even higher than what what I'm thinking that they're portraying for the team right now. We can't just say it's a win now situation. No, we have to aim higher. We have to prove it. We have to prove it's a win now situation. Exactly, and we can't just say it's a win now situation where we're going to do a fake punt on our twenty-five yard line. Like, be better than that. Just, just, just be better. Three, three and five at the halfway point is not ideal for win now situation. It goes to show that there are definitely gaping holes within this organization that need to be addressed. Hopefully, this team can make a run and get their chemistry down. Because the next three games on our schedule are very winnable. And if we were to go into December at 6-5, and five, then who knows what could happen in those last five games of the year. So look for something to go down within the next three weeks. If we don't win the next three weeks, then pretty much the season's going to be over because we're not going to be able to hang tight with the wild card position. And I'm not ready to talk about offseason and drafts. and I'm not ready to do that. We've been doing that all off season and all winter and I'm like I'm ready to continue to do this and I want us to do good and I'm ready for the fans to I know the fans are frustrated we we hear it Corey man you hear it on Twitter all the time I hear it on Twitter I hear it on Instagram I hear it on all on all phases man it's frustrating oh every every platform or social media everybody voices yeah, their it displeasure. is very like we hear you guys we hear you guys and you see you see the you see the outpour of Oh, we're a horrible team. It's time to look forward to the draft and everything. We have eight games remaining in the season. Let's go ahead and support our guys for the last eight games of the year. And and also, remember, we're all football fans here. We have to realize we all share the same common passion right here. To We're football fans. We're Buccaneers fans, and we can enjoy football as a whole. I know that a lot of people take out their emotions about it on Twitter and everything, but we have to still realize that Hey, football season going on. And all of a sudden, football's done, and we're like, "Oh crap!" Like we can't wait till it comes back in September. And all of a sudden, September comes, and it's like, just we we. I don't want to take things for granted on this. I love football so much, you know. So we gotta get things going. Yeah, I'm definitely a diehard football fan, and I hate when the off season hits because it's a long nine months, especially as a Bucks fan. When your season ends in December and the first season game is in September, it definitely is a long off season for us. And before we before we head out, I want to hop into special teams a little bit. Um, our boy Chandler Canzero was perfect on extra points on Sunday, so <laughs> good, good applause, on him. Man. He was four for four. He was four for four on extra points. Uh, he didn't attempt a field goal because we only scored four touchdowns in the game. That's okay. But on the opposite side, Graham Gano was six for six on extra points. I said that he's been perfect on the season, and he was continued that on Sunday. Yeah, right. I that's the main thing, Kit. People don't realize that special teams is a third of the game. It's huge, and it takes everyone on that side, too, to collectively come together and make this team. You know, it, sometimes, hey, we've seen it. We are we go tied on some games because we miss an extra point, and we if we would have had the extra point, we would have won. Same goes for field goals. It's we, I don't know what's going on with this. I'm putting this in quotes with my fingers. Uh, Kicking curse, right? So it's been fresh. It's frustrating. I can see it. Yeah, like you right? said, there's been a quote-unquote kicking curse. Um, hopefully this game was a big game for Cat to get back in the right column with kicks because he was absolutely perfect. 
So just looking forward to the following games to see if he continues the way that he kicked on Sunday against Carolina. All consistency, right? That's what it takes for a kicker. Like everyone says, oh, this kicker sucks. This kicker sucks. I guarantee, like I promise you, all these NFL kickers, they are miraculous kickers on the practice field, obviously on their side. It's mindset. When you put yourself in a situation to kick a field goal with 60,000-plus 60, 60, people and it's a last second, it all comes to mind over matter. It's all mindset. It's nothing else over that, right? Like the, Some of these kickers are actually very talented kickers, but it's just it's how they translate to the game and how they control their game. It's all a mind game, and if your mind is not strong as a kicker, then you're not going to pan out. And you saw that with Roberto Aguayo. He'd be good from inside of 40, but outside of 40, it wasn't pretty. And it was like when he got to the NFL, he felt the pressure of, being drafted in the second round and it hurt his career. I agree with you on that. It's Aguayo was uh, obviously a big, big take, like bold take on Jason Light. You know, like that was a huge take. Um, also, like it's, I don't think you would ever take, you should ever take a kicker in the second round. Just saying, <laughs> if we look back at it right now. Yeah, I mean he he was a spectacular college kicker, the most accurate college kicker in history. So. I don't look back and say, oh, it's a bad pick. I just think, who else could we have gotten with that second-round pick? Oh, there was a lot. There was, like, I remember, like, the pick before, right after was, like, Vaughn Bell, the starting safety for New Orleans. It's just, I, I don't know. It's just, uh, there's a lot of other players right there that we obviously could have picked up. It was a second-round pick. Those are prime players in there. And it went, But, like, another thing is, like, I'm just kind of, like, side-backing here, like, Another pick is, like, we have the last two years we've been preaching about running back woes. Nonetheless, we have – we draft a second-round running back, and he ain't even playing. And we still have a rusher that's getting two two yards of carry. I don't I, I don't know what we see in practice field or whatnot, but there's obviously has to put some questions. And some people overall, like, this whole overall point is just someone has to become accountable – for their actions and their moves within the whole organization. I think right now what we're having on the in, like on Twitter with pointing fingers, I think that's actually probably going on in the locker room. That's just my prediction. We don't know, but I, just, I can clearly tell that there's a lot internally that is going on with the Bucks. But as a whole fan base, we have to just continue to love football and our, and our team, not attack any media, fan, media member, any fan, for calling them stupid for having an opinion. Right? It's, oh, absolutely. That's a thing. Absolutely. That's a thing. I'm kind of going way all over the map on that, but hey, there's just a lot going on with their with our fan, fan base right now and our whole team. So we just got to hold in and hey, enjoy the rest of the ride. We don't know what's going to be the outcome in the second half of the season. It's just all about um, wins. If we don't win, then everybody's going to be upset. And on that note, Kel, we can go ahead and wrap up this edition of the podcast. Go ahead and follow All Things Bucks on Twitter at All Things TB Bucks. Go ahead and follow the podcast page at ATB Podcast underscore. Go ahead and follow myself on Twitter at Corey underscore Hayes 407. Hope you enjoyed the podcast. Don't forget to like, comment, and subscribe on the podcast. And let us know what your feedback is on the podcast. Right on. Go Bucks. Go Bucks, baby.